Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your cause. Happy Monday, Edwin. Happy Monday, Andrew. There's a lot going on today in, in America. I guess it's kicking off. John 19 <laughs> is where we are this week. Let's go ahead and jump in here. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It's uh, hard reading, hard reading, but we're going we're gonna to read through John 19. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. But Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered the headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus. And he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says they divided my garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 
since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. That is hard to read, but you did a really fine job. Thank you. As, uh, as we begin, I notice how the soldiers are so clever in the way they want to go about mocking Christ. Yeah. It said in verse 2 that they twisted together a crown of thorns and they put it on his head and put a, put a purple robe on him. Yeah. Um, I, I recall when I had a little bit of time to be in Israel a few years ago, one of the uh, tours they took us on was uh, on the Mount of Olives, particularly uh, geographically very close to the temple. And what had been discovered there, Edwin, was a, a, a cache of ossuaries, all right, these little bone boxes. And um, basically what the process was is a, a, in the first century, someone would die, they would lay their body in the tomb. After about a year or so, the decomposition is such that you have bones. They would collect the bones into a little box. The box would then go into a shelf somewhere in the tomb, right? And then the tomb would be used again for someone else. Um, but... What struck me, besides finding all these ossuaries uh, in different uh, kind of shelves and in this sort of cave thing, was that growing wild all around it were these thorns. And I asked the guide about that. I was like, tell me a little bit about these thorns. And he's like, no, yeah, those those grow here. They're, they're a feature. And uh, I thought, whoa, <laughs> it's not that Roman soldiers keep bags of thorns thorns around but it's something that grew around there and i think in a real you know a twist of spite or evil genius uh we know what we can do we can cut some of these out and turn it into a crown for the mockery and the pain uh but that's kind of making use of the things growing around there mocking belittling yes we're going to call you a king but we're going to be beating you instead of bowing before you we'll give you a crown but rather than it being lined with fur and comfortable and demonstrating authority it's pain it's 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 um, just part of the torment and the torture yeah and do you see this too that part of it is mocking jesus and of course inflicting all the pain upon jesus but there also seems to be a mocking of the jewish nation oh yeah 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 the romans are doing here yeah they're upset that they would put on this sign king of the Jews. No, yeah. no. He said he was the king of the Jews because it is a different message that Rome has a fellow up here crucified with the sign king of the Jews. It's look what happens to anyone who would say that the king of the Jews or try to be a, you know, some type of rebel. But the, the Jews don't necessarily want to be mocked that way. Like they couldn't have a leader 
just not this guy. This not guy this wouldn't guy. be our yeah, leader. Absolutely. It is super hard to read this, and for we as Christians, we look back horrified, yet at the same time, it, I mean, it's a mix of emotions because, of course, we understand this death and its meaning for us and the forgiveness this sacrifice provides, the redemption and the adoption and the justification of Jesus on the cross and the atoning sacrifice for us, but it is hard to read. Well, I think that's, you, you hit the nail on the head right there when you talk about the redemption, the payment for our sin, sacrifice, and so forth. All that gets explained later, but in the moment and in the telling of this story, yeah. it's just this brutal death, which he has been telling us and foretelling, I'm going to die this way, I'll be lifted up, that way I can draw him into me. But it had to be very confusing and discouraging for Mary, for the disciples, you know, for everyone that loved him. I want us to recognize as we consider this that all the way along, there have been only two options, mm-hmm. uh, two outcomes for this scenario with Jesus. There's there's not a third one. I remember years ago, you recommended a book to me. I think it was called Rapture Ready. <laughs> yeah. Where, where this, this fellow, yeah, and he was... He evangelical was, subculture yeah. and, a, and a kind of a uh, moderate Jew, fairly secular Jew. I was going to say more secular. Jewish reporter. Yeah. It wanted to figure out evangelicalism in America and basically commercialism. Commercialism. He's really pushing back on that. And in one of the chapters, he talked about going to a passion play. And he actually got himself positioned in the passion play. I don't know yes. if you remember this. I do. He got himself positioned in the passion play and and tried to say, you know, boy, how awful it is that, you know, they're presenting all these Jews as saying, crucify him, crucify him. So he decided to holler out, no, don't, don't crucify him. Of course, nobody heard because it was one in the voice, but he was, he was acting like there was really this option. But the reality is yeah. among the Jews, there were really only two options. All the way along, mm-hmm. we have been talking about the two different prophets, the two different potential prophets. And in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But... The prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? Then he goes on and gives a test here. We can go back to chapter 13 and see the testing prophet who might even have some wonders and signs. And what Mm -hmm. it said is they're supposed to kill him. Look, there's two options. And uh, this fellow who wrote this book, Rapture Ready, he wanted to act like there was a third option, like there was the, the option to declare, oh, we know he's a good, innocent man, so we don't want him to be crucified. No, you don't have that option. Mm-hmm. For, for the, the Jews at that time, it was either he is the prophet, and now we better bow down on our knees and listen to him because he's giving us the word of God, or he's a false prophet, in which case he is supposed to be executed. Yeah. 
You don't get a third option of this guy who's declaring himself to be God, this guy who's been supposedly providing us with hope and salvation and declaring himself the Messiah and telling us to follow him. Well, you know, he's a nice guy and we like him. And so, I mean, we shouldn't allow this. And if he was really innocent, then what he was was the new prophet. If he was really innocent, then what he was and what he is is the Messiah. If he was really innocent, then what he was and is is the son of God. He is God. You don't get to get to stand on a stage at a passion play and say, well, I would have said not crucify him because if you'd have said don't crucify him, then the other option is bow on your face in the presence of your king and your God. You don't get that third option. It's one or the other. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's this kind of goes along with the, the C.S. Lewis argument in mere Christianity. Is he a Lord? Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Because he has claimed to be the Lord and confessed to be the Lord. And that's part of it. I mean, the Sanhedrin says we need to kill him and away with him because he finally, you know, after all of the pestering, says, yes, it is as you say. I am the son of God. Uh, we see that that gets um, explained a little differently, I guess, to Pilate um, because, well, he makes himself to be king. Uh, he makes himself to be Lord. And, and that's you, you need to be a friend of Caesar and you need to do something about this. Right. Well, is he the son of God or is he not? Yeah. And there's not a third option. You can't just say, well, I think he was a good man or, or you shouldn't treat a prophet like this. Jesus would make the point himself. Well, how are the true prophets always treated by God's chosen people? Actually, they're always persecuted and killed, aren't they? And so this does go in the line. Now, he, one who is greater than a prophet is among us, but he is truly the Christ and truly the son of God only two options. We're either going to put him on a cross or we're going to bow before him and put him on the throne. Uh, I, I want us to put him on the throne. Let's let's keep passing this message along. It's time for us to wrap up. Go and lead us in prayer, brother. Our great God and Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can open your word and study about the true king, the head of the church and the king over all creation, all the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in this chapter and reading today, he is mocked and belittled as a king. But truly, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, he shows us a, a new kingdom and a new way of humility, of service, of a whole different kind of greatness, of which he is the epitome of greatness. While our hearts are heavy to read about the treatment and the persecution and the pain involved in this sacrifice, we know that there was no other way. Father, for us to be redeemed and for him to bring many sons to God. And so we pray, Father, that uh, this death will turn to victory, that we might learn a way of sacrifice, that we might be like our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne. P.S. I will say that guy's expose and rapture ready of evangelical Christian commercialism was mostly spot on. <laughs>
No, you're right. It's it's really a good a good book to read. <laughs> but that but, that bit but, about the I passion mean, play, he well, was just he way had, off. He had all that angst in his heart, didn't he? Yeah. He's like, I want to show you there's a different kind of Jewish response to Jesus. Except there's I mean, not. But there wasn't. It's either he's king. Yeah. Or he's a criminal. And that was a historical. Yeah. <laughs>